0: Hi, and welcome to The Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 307 of The Essential Tennis Podcast. Today we're gonna be talking about the five key principles for tiebreaker success. It's interesting, over the years doing this show, I think the tiebreaker has come up possibly more than any other tactical topic, at least around gameplay and strategy. People ask me about it all the time, and I've done one or two tiebreaker episodes in the past, but I think this one is definitely going to be the most comprehensive. I really put a lot of thought into the outline today and I'm going to be sharing a lot of super practical, very specific things that you can execute the very next time that you have a tiebreaker to maximize your chance for success. And so these five principles I've broken into two don'ts, two things that most players do that will dramatically diminish your chances for success. And then three do's three things that you should absolutely be doing to optimize your chances for success. And today's question comes to us. I, I recently asked for questions, suggestions in our Facebook group for Essential Tennis. And this question came to us from Akalesh, I believe, Akalesh, And he wrote and said, in a tiebreaker, should I double down on aggression or go cautiously? And this is one of the reasons why I picked this question is because the way he asked it is absolutely just stereotypical uh, problem that players have with tiebreakers. He's presenting an either or kind of false paradox here. And Neither of those approaches is the way that you want to go, long story short. So let's go ahead and dive right right into it. Principle number one is in a tiebreaker, don't play it safe. Don't go cautiously, meaning don't dial back whatever level of aggressiveness or assertiveness that you've used in the match up until this point to make it to a tiebreaker. Definitely don't dial it way back and play it cautious and be careful. I know that if you've been playing tennis for any length of time, then you've experienced how terrible it feels to slow down and be careful. Slowing down racket head speed is usually a disaster for players, especially in pressure situations. You, you don't have the same level of control. You don't have the same level of, typically, depth or level of challenge on your shot. And you just feel very timid. You feel very scared when you slow down your racket head speed. And playing not to lose in a competitive situation is just poison. It, it just tends to kind of compound and pile on top of itself. As soon as you go down that path and as soon as you choose to play it safe then things tend to snowball and you get more and more careful, more and more tentative. And before you know it, you're just kind of pushing the ball back in play because you have kind of mentally backed yourself into a corner and you're trying so hard not to beat yourself because that was kind of your objective in the first place was just don't miss, just don't mess up. And you get super, super tentative and scared. Even if you don't get really tight. You know, even if you if you try to play cautiously and you slow down in a tiebreaker, even if you don't get tight and really nervous and and just beat yourself by missing shots by choking, you're still leaving the door wide open for your opponent. And I think this is especially true at higher levels of play, uh, into a kind of advanced intermediate or uh, advanced levels of play. Four o. Four five five oh, slowing down significantly just leaves the door wide open for your opponent to take control of those points and get on a roll and gain confidence and gain the upper hand as far as momentum is concerned. And that's the last thing you want to do in those critical last points in a set is give them the opportunity to take control and be assertive themselves and just completely take over the match. So Principle number one, don't play it safe. Principle number two, don't be a hero. And this is the other end of the spectrum. And the the way that uh, uh, Akulesh described it was double down on aggressive. In other words, he's saying, should I ratchet things up? Should I go more aggressive? Should I hit the ball harder? Should I aim closer to the lines? Well, on the other end of the spectrum, makes it just as easy to beat yourself playing it safe and playing not to lose is essentially self-destructing it's not that it can't ever work but uh, best case best case scenario your opponent beats themselves and that's just not what you want to rely on especially long term developmentally speaking if you want to play high levels of tennis you cannot rely against that uh, rely on that rather against high level opponents. So on the other end of the spectrum, what you would assume, oh, okay, so I'm playing against a strong player. So I must, I've got to start aiming for lines. I've got to start threading the needle and just blasting shots. And I've got to be a hero and and double down on aggression is uh, what Akilesh said. Well, most tennis points end in what? i I this is probably the question I've asked of my students, especially in group clinics, strategy clinics, more than any other question. How do t- most tennis points end? Most tennis points end in an error. At professional levels, 60 to 70% of points end with somebody making some kind of mistake. And so if you are the person who's playing a lower percentage, especially when the pressure's on and it really matters the most, chances of you shooting yourself in the foot are unbelievably high if you are the person who's taking on the highest amount of risk and playing the lowest percentage points. Because most points are going to end in a mistake anyway. So if you double the amount of of risk that you're taking on just because, oh, it's do or die time, it's tiebreaker time, it's time for me to come up with ESPN, you know, top 10 winners all of a sudden, chances of you beating yourself are extremely high. So suddenly swinging harder just because it's a tiebreaker is a great way to make more mistakes. And suddenly aiming lower over the net or closer to the lines is also a great way to make more mistakes. And this is exactly what your opponent is praying for you to do. They're praying that you just mess up a bunch and hand them the tiebreaker so that they don't have to come up with anything spectacular themselves. So at 6'6 in a set, if you go into that breaker guns blazing and just trying to hit winner after winner, even if you hit a couple of amazing shots, statistically speaking, the chances of yourself missing more of those shots than making those shots is extremely high and that's exactly what your opponent is hoping for they're hoping that you self-destruct that they're hoping that you implode and just hand them the breaker so that they don't have to take it from you so don't fall for that trap and feel like you need to hit spectacular shots you don't so those are the two don'ts don't play it safe don't be a hero So now let's move on to the do's. We have three different do's, three different uh, uh, affirmations, affirmative things that you need to be doing to give yourself the best possible chance to lose. Those first two elements are the two things to avoid to give yourself uh, the least possible chance of beating yourself. Now let's talk about how to give yourself the best possible chance of winning and defeating your opponent. So number one, or actually number three principle here, the first do. Do use what got you there. Think about this. You've won six games, right? Typically, that's when a tiebreaker is played. Not always. Uh, Sometimes it's a third set breaker. Sometimes, like in college tennis, for example, we would play eight game pro sets for doubles and so we would we would um play a tiebreaker at 8-8 eight, eight, or was it 7-7? Seven, seven? I think it was 7-7. Seven, seven. Uh, anyway, you've won at least 6 games at this point in the match. Otherwise, it's impossible that a tiebreaker would be played. So, that's 24 points at least. Very well could be more than that. To win a game, you have to win at least four points. There's six games up until the point where you get to a tiebreaker and it's six to six. So you've won 24 points. I want you to ask yourself the question, next time you get to a tiebreaker, how did that happen? How did those 24 points come to pass? What pattern most led to your success in those 24 points? And I mean, if you if you want to sit down and actually make a tally, that would be fantastic data for you to have. I'm not suggesting you, you do that every single time you play. I, I mean, it, frankly, it would be a big mental effort to to actually keep track of the, the the actual number of how points are are finishing. But having a general sense and paying close enough attention, that you recognize the, the patterns that are winning you points is super critical. And what I'm saying here is keep it very, very simple. I'll give you four quick examples, two of them on your, your own side of the net and two on the other side of the net, on your opponent's side of the net. So example number one would be a single shot and direction combination. So for example, my forehand cross court has won me the majority of those 24 points, or has most led to me winning uh, the the biggest percentage of those 24 points. Could be a potential answer. Or maybe it's a one-two punch, a very simple pattern of two shots. For example, when I serve out wide on the deuce side, and then use my forehand to hit to the open courts. That has led to the most points. And now 24 points, you're not looking for 15 of them to be one shot or one pattern, but five or six is a big chunk. It's a significant percentage of points that it's a pretty high likelihood that if you purposefully try to recreate that again and again, it could lead to very high levels of success. Or it could be really lopsided. Like for me, exa- as a personal example, Serving out wide on the ad side as a left-handed player and then coming in behind that return, or rather behind my serve, to hit the return out of the air as a serve and volley. I'm I'm positive that I've had matches where half of my points on my serve were won that way. So a really significant chunk. So just a couple of specific examples there, just to kind of get you thinking and just to get your, your juices flowing a little bit, to so think critically about that. Other ways you can look at this is... They hit the net on a lot of backhands where they had to get down low and hit a low contact point. So, if I can draw them up a little, up a little bit, and keep the ball low with a slice, or aim a little bit lower over the net uh, with with a little bit of backspin, either forehand or backhand. Anytime I make them bend, they tend to hit the net a lot, and that won me a lot of points in those six games that I just won. Or maybe every time I came to the net, they they tend to overhit. And sure, they hit a couple incredible shots, but they gave me a lot of freebies when I approached the net. So just some really random, just kind of top of mind examples that I wrote down. I want you, next time you're in a tiebreaker, to spend at least 30 seconds and just reflect back on the six games you just won and pick out the one or two most common patterns. And hopefully there's one in particular that really stands out for you and a a particular shot or a particular pattern of shots or a particular type of shot that your opponent missed quite a bit and pick that out. So evaluate that before the tiebreaker starts, pick the one that really sticks out the most, that was most successful for you, and then commit to it for that tiebreaker, unless you get some kind of new information that causes you to move away from it. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But this is not the time to get creative, fancy, or elaborate. Remember, how do most points end? Most points end in an error. So you want to look for historically effective shots or combination of shots or patterns of play that have already today in this set led you to success. Pick the most successful one and just mentally commit to it during this tiebreaker. It's not the time to try to improvise and try random stuff, to try to be sneaky and tricky and try to fool your opponents. It's not the time to be a hero and aim for the lines. These are all ways that you can easily beat yourself. Over the last 45 to 60 minutes, of work is this all comes down to these few points in this tiebreaker. So keep in mind, if what got you there was playing it safe or being a hero, this is an important little side note, that by all means, go ahead and stick with that if that's what worked. In other words, if you think back over those 45 minutes to 60 minutes in that set that have led up, up to this tiebreaker, Or maybe this is a third set breaker and you've already played for an hour and a half. You've already played two sets and you split sets. You've got a lot of data there to work with. And if on this particular day what got you to this breaker was playing really aggressive, then by all means, continue being aggressive. Or if what got you to this breaker was really playing it safe and just letting your opponent self-destruct, then by all means, let them continue self-destructing. The big pitfall here is dramatically upping or downing your aggressiveness. And so if what got you there was being aggressive, you don't want to be uber aggressive and double the aggressiveness. You also don't want to ratchet it way back. Or if what got you there was being safe, then by all means, continue being safe. But what you don't want to do is double down on that and be really tentative and really careful or swing in the other direction and be super aggressive all of a sudden just because it's the tiebreaker. So principle number three, just to wrap this one up, is do what got you there. Evaluate and deploy whatever simple pattern has most resulted in the big chunk of points that you've already won up until this point in the match. All right, moving on. <clears throat> do number four, uh, rather, do number two. Sorry, I'm making this more complicated than it has to be. This is principle number four, the second positive do that you need to pay attention to. This is really critical and something that I don't think I've talked about in within the context of tiebreakers before, but it's probably the easiest point in time in any match to blow this element. Do stay present and play one point at a time. The whole one point at a time thing or one game at a time or one set at a time or whatever has become really cliche over the years, but it's it's because there's so much truth to it. Now I'll give a little bit of context and description to this. The two easiest ways to self-destruct mentally are, number one, focus on the future. There's two different primary ways you can do that. You can say to yourself, "Oh crap, Go- going into this tiebreaker, what if I lose? What if I b- what if I blow this?" Uh, whatever the context is. Maybe you were ahead 5-1 and they came back and now you're playing a tiebreaker and you're saying to yourself, "Holy crap, what if I lose this set after being ahead by so much? What 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 does that mean about me? How much are how much am I going to be looked down on down upon by my teammates? How much am I going to, are people gonna talk about me behind my back if I lose this? And so you're fo- focusing on the future. And that's a negative outcome. But guess what? Positive focuses can be just as detrimental. What if you go into that tiebreaker saying, "Holy cow, what if I win this match? Like I had no business beating this player. They're, they're on the team above me or they're rated a level above me. I have this opportunity now to win this set. What if I win? That has just as much potential to completely derail you and force you into playing totally outside of what got you to this point in, in the match or to this point in the set. So focusing on the future is a huge detrimental mistake that many players make when they, in general in tennis, but especially in a tiebreaker situation. The other big mistake that players make is focusing on the past. And there's a lot of different ways that we do that as tennis players. It could be our last match, whatever happened in our last match, oh, I've... I, really blew my last match and i'm kind of having flashbacks to that or the last time you played this person last time i played sally she totally crushed me and now i have an opportunity to win this set and so you're thinking about the past and and what this match means relative to what happened the last time you played this person or maybe the last time you played a tiebreaker you're telling yourself man i lost my last five tiebreakers in a row so this is terrible. I can't. it's 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 really blowing yourself up mentally that you have to play another tiebreaker. Or maybe you're focusing still on the crappy call that Sally made four games ago. Whatever it is, those are all specific examples that are very, very real, and I'm sure you've probably experienced all of them at some point. and they're all different ways that we tend to get mentally hooked into the past and it drags down our performance as a result. Allowing our minds to wander either into the future or get sucked back into the past is, I think, probably the easiest way that we self-destruct mentally. And so instead, what you want to do is approach every point, every individual point, with a super crystal clear specific plan using that evaluation that we talked about a few minutes ago. And then focus 100% of your mental energy on executing that plan. Other thoughts will enter your mind about the future, about the past. That's totally normal. Having those thoughts doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you a poor tennis player or a poor competitor. Every human has those thoughts when they're in the middle of a competitive environment. It's totally normal. The difference between excellent competitors and weak ones is what happens next. What what do we do with those thoughts? How do we allow them to influence us? Purposefully realigning your thoughts to executing on the present is the best way to respond as opposed to taking the bait and giving energy and power to those distractions or to the, the negative thoughts or the positive thoughts, the the future or the past. If those if as those thoughts enter our minds, we give them mental space and we feed them and we allow them to hang out. and We kind of fixate on them and say, oh yeah, what about that bad call? Now our attention has been pulled away from what matters most it's been pulled away from what we can do in the moment to influence the match in our favor and it's been fixated on something completely different that is totally irrelevant to the task at hand which is trying to do whatever we can to optimize our performance right now and optimize our shot selections right now to have the best possible chance of coming away with this set and the tiebreaker so Principle number 4 is do stay present and play one point at a time. Moving on to principle number 5. This is this is a big one and also I think something I haven't talked about before within the context of tiebreakers. It's really critical do watch like a hawk for opponent tells. And a tell is to my knowledge uh, comes from poker it comes comes from playing cards a tell in poker is some kind of mannerism or movements or facial tick or a gesture or something that gives away what your opponent actually has or what they're thinking or what their strategy is it, it gives away their hand it gives away their their position. In a tiebreaker, when so much is riding on just a small number of points, you want to focus extremely intently on what your opponent is telling you, not literally telling you, but telling you with different things that they're doing in the match, uh, in, in their points, in between points. And I'll give you several examples here. <clears throat> Watch for changes in attitude is tell number one that you want to look for. Could be positive or negative change in attitude. Positive change in attitude could could be all of a sudden they're getting really fired up and they're, they're like, they're pumping themselves up, they're getting psyched up and they're like really focused and intense. And you can tell that they're really kind of rising to the occasion. Or there could be a big negative downturn in attitude and energy and they, they double fault on the the first point of the tiebreaker and all of a sudden they're slumping their shoulders and they're uh, like hitting themselves on the bottom of the foot with their racket or they, they bounce their racket off the court uh, throwing their hands up in the air like what's the point point? and all of a sudden they're they're really really negative those two you know polarizing opposite ends of the spectrum should tell you to manage your approach in different ways. If they're super positive and they're rising to the occasion, then you need to manage your own alertness accordingly and pay close attention to what they're doing. Because it very well could be that there's a rise in performance coming behind that shift in attitude and shift in, in positive energy. On the other hand, if all of a sudden they get super negative, it could be... That you don't need to t- you don't need to take any risk at all because they're about to completely self destruct and completely implode and just give you the tiebreaker and give you the match or give you the set. So watching changes in attitude is is a huge tell, a huge psychological key that if you're watching for it and you you um, successfully pick it out, then you can either see that a big swing is coming in their favor or see a big swing is coming in your favor and change your approach accordingly. Another tell that opponents will will give you, depending on the opponent, is a change in tactics. And so it could be throughout most of the matchup until this point, they've beaten you by staying back and grinding on the baseline. And now all of a sudden, in the tiebreaker, they switch things up. And instead of hitting heavy topspin, they start slicing and chipping everything because they're trying to play it safe. Uh, They're trying to keep from beating themselves. That would be a huge thing to pay close attention to. And if your mind is wandering uh, off into, wow, what if I lose this or what what if I win this match? Or in the past, if you're fixating on what happened an hour ago or a week ago or a month ago, then you may totally miss and the one I threw out is rather obvious. I mean, if they, they hit all heavy topspin the whole set, and then all of a sudden in a tiebreaker, they start slicing everything. That's a pretty obvious one. But they, it might be more subtle. It might be something like all of a sudden their ground strokes are falling a little bit shorter in the courts. Or it could be instead of really targeting your backhand off the serve, they start kind of throwing it into the middle of the box. Both Both kind of ways that they could be playing it a little bit more safe. Those are tactical adjustments that, if you can pick up on them, you can start anticipating those opportunities and take advantage of them. If your mind is elsewhere, if you're not looking for those tells, if you're not looking for those opportunities, then in those, those critical few points, you could completely miss your chance to take control of the tiebreaker and, and come away with the match or come away with the set. Lastly, look for tells in the way of changes in performance. And this could go one of two aggressive directions. One could be they could start totally choking. And this might go with that negative mindset I talked about, the negative attitude, but not always. If they start to just make a lot of uncharacteristic mistakes, they start to choke and really slow down and get tentative, maybe hit a lot of shots into the net, uh, whatever it is. If they start to choke and give away the match, that's something you want to pay close attention to. Just sniff out that little bit of twinge of shift in possible momentum or shift in their ability to execute. and you want to manage your aggression accordingly. manage how much you're going for because if they start totally choking and, and blowing up, you don't have to you you don't have to do very much at all to just kind of lean on them a little bit and have them just hand you the match. Uh, As opposed to going for broke and trying to hit winners when they're just trying, they're kind of trying to give it to you, but you're making mistakes of your own. And so it's kind of a a battle of errors back and forth. If you're paying close attention, you can shift and manage that aggression to be, uh, to maximize their chances of just giving you the tiebreaker. I promise you, it will happen in this high pressure situation. Or it could be they start super like rising to the occasion and they start just playing out of their mind in which case you wouldn't want to just sit back and just play uh you know the same old tennis that you've been playing up until this point you might not have a choice but to have to try to match them because they just start hitting lines they just start hitting winners and you know three four in a row you've you've got to do something otherwise the momentum could just completely keep rolling in their favor and the tiebreaker could be over before you know it. So look closely for changes in attitude, changes in tactics, and changes in performance from your opponent so that you can shift your approach, your patterns, and how much aggression you're using accordingly to try to either mitigate a big positive swing in your opponent's favor or maximize a big positive swing in your favor. If you're not paying attention to those things, then you're going to leave that opportunity on the table. So those are the five principles for tiebreaker success. Don't play it safe. Don't be a hero. Do use what got you there. Do stay present and play one point at a time. And do watch like a hawk for opponent tells. If you do two or three of those things, then your your success in tiebreakers is going to increase dramatically. If if you can train and develop all five of those habits, all five of those disciplines, then I promise you'll be extremely, extremely difficult to beat in tiebreakers. And notice at no point in time here did I, except right at the very end, I mentioned may- maybe being more aggressive if, if your opponent just starts playing totally out of their mind and you have to rise to the occasion or else they're going to just take it from you. At That's the only point in time that I talked about being aggressive or trying to hit winners or whatever trying to uh, increase your offensiveness. Everything else was pattern-based or uh, mindset-based, strategy-based. And there are all ways that you can gain the upper hand in your tiebreakers and win many more than you lose. So I hope this was a huge help to you. Happy New Year. This is coming out on January 1st. Thank you so much for your support in 2018. Podcast listeners are... I'm not exaggerating, by far my my favorite audience that we have across all the different platforms that we focus on here at Essential Tennis. Thank you so much for your passion, for your focus, your dedication to the game, and for taking the time to listen to my voice week in and week out. I appreciate your support so much, and please know that I'm dedicated to you and I'm dedicated to this show moving into 2019 i'm really looking forward to what it has in store for all of us for more free game improving instruction be sure to check out essentialtennis.com where you'll find hundreds of video audio and written lessons also be sure to subscribe to essential tennis on itunes and youtube where we are the number one resource in the world providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players thank you so much for listening today take care and good luck with your tennis.